Welcome everybody into the ESPN FC studios for this, the latest edition of the show alongside Craig Burley, Steve Nickel, I'm Sebastian Salazar. Great to have you along with us. Lots to get to, but let's start in the Premier League with the Manchester Derby. Man City 3-0 winners at Old Trafford over Manchester United. Erling Holland with a penalty in the 26th minute. That after Rodri was pulled down from behind on a set piece by Rasmus Hoyland. Play that went to VAR. Holland would add a second in the 49th minute. Phil Folden finishing things off 10 minutes from time. Here's Manchester United manager Eric Tenhag after the match. Of course, it's disappointed, but um, last year we had many highlights, and so far, not now. And of course, yeah, when you lose the derby, and then in the way we lose, yeah, that is this disappointed because first half we had. We had a very good game plan. The execution of the game plan was also very good, and it was toe-to-toe -to -toe first half, uh, very similar. But then the penalty, of course, changed the moment. And then the second half, uh, we we chose to be go more offensive, and then the tuna is too quickly. And from that point on, it was a very difficult game. Yeah. Joining us now for more, Nada Manua, of course, former Manchester City player. We will certainly talk about City, Nadam. I'm going to give you your moment in, in just a second. But I feel like did I just discussion... Hear, did, did I just hear that press conference correctly? You now, did. This guy... What, yeah. what stood out to you? The Last year we had a lot of highlights? Oh, I know. No, no. Well, that's, he's, he's correct, but we're not, we're not in last year. We're in this mm -hmm. year. What, what stood out to me there was when he said, we had a game plan and we went toe-to-toe. -to -toe mm. Up until the penalty. I mean, what planet is he living on? The only chance, uh, they, they did create one right before halftime on their own. The only chances that Manchester United created on a breakaway came mm. from Joseph Guardiola twice, the Phil Foden pass that we saw, and a Jack Grealish pass. Right? That's the only time. And it wasn't through very good pressing, it was through sloppy Man City play. The rest of the time, City totally controlled this. Now, I, I, I agree. Listen, City went fantastic in the first half. But let's not forget, twice, Anana saved last ditch on the line. Twice. A double save and then the Haaland header that he should have scored from. So, he, he's, he's just now in the land of delusion with, with these press conferences because he's watched a different game. That's before we even get to his team selection, which we'll get to at some point. You know, he says City weren't fantastic, but they were still miles ahead of Manchester United. In football terms, uh, it was men against boys. Uh, and he's saying the game plan. What, sticking 10 men behind the ball? Is that a new game plan? <laughs> so, and you yeah. can't even make the argument that it worked, because it could have been 2 or 3 nothing at the half, well, right? Correct. Well, exactly. I mean, like If you're going to play not to lose... Tw 21 shots, 10 on target, away from home. At supposed mighty Manchester United, mm. and you think the game plan was going pretty well? No, I'm sorry, I'm with Craig. I'm I'm not sure what game he was watching because men against boys is mm. just precise. We're watching this, and it's and, and this is the thing. This is not a surprise that we're sitting here and analysing a game that was not a game. Really, wasn't much of a game. I mean, we I, I was quite hard a week or two ago on the Merseyside derby because it really isn't much of a contest mm -hmm. between the sides now because Everton have been in a bit of disarray. This is sort of going that way 
to some extent. And it was unsurprisingly dire from, from Manchester United. Now, if I'm... We'll put it one way. If I'm a World Cup winner, right? And I don't know if, if Rafael Varane was injured mm. or had a knock or was feeling unwell before the game, I'll hold my hands up. But when Ten Hag was asked about it, the team selection, he said, tactics. Now, Johnny Evans, in particular, has been a terrific professional. Terrific professional. But he didn't have a club two months ago. Yep. He was out of football. He was looking for somewhere to train. And he's in the side, in the biggest game in England, arguably, against the best player, best striker around in world football, in Erling Haaland. He's in the side in place of a World Cup winner. Mm. <laughs> but where's, where's the tactics in that? Yeah. Me. Manchester City then uh, 3 nothing over Manchester United. Nadam, want to bring you in now. Uh, what would you think of this? For me, the big takeaway is the gap between the two teams. Is that it for you? Yeah, I would say so. I think when we saw the teams arrive um, before the game, you're sort of asking a few questions, thinking, well, what's the setup that United are going to go for? Why is Varane on the bench? Why does it look like they're going to be going with this sort of formation or this look? But then when you look at the Man City side, it made more sense. And I think some of their key players today, you know, with John Stones being back to full fitness, seeing Bernardo and Rodri in that midfield, I thought they were they were magnificent. And even though Ten Hag believes the first half was pretty even, I think it's fair to say that some of those chances that they got were because of City mistakes, barring the, the McTominay strike, which was a great save by Edison. The New York City, they never really looked like they were too flustered. They were quite calm overall and they knew they could do better. And I think that's what we saw in the second half. And they just... This is what it could be, this game. And for myself personally, I've seen many years where City have been the better side overall in that season, but have lost games at Old Trafford. But it just didn't seem like anything was there for United at all. And I think City stuck with their plan. And then by the end of the game, you're looking at it and they're frustrated. That's why they're kicking out some of the City players, getting yellow cards, because, you know, if you can't beat them on the field, just try and fight them. And it, it was strange to see, to see them be that sort of limp and weak in such a big game, especially given the passing of a legend just the last week. But then I guess, as we say, these are the positions that are two sides in. And yes, United have injuries, but City have gone through a few changes as well. But they seem to be miles ahead of where United are right now. Ten Hag has belief in his side, but I think he seemed alone in thinking that. He was, they were abs... As, as that game wore on, City were class. And I, I agree with Nathan fully. I mean, Bernardo Silva, we know. But, Ro, I mean, Rodri, when he was out the side at Wolves and other games, it was, it was there's, there's just something missing. There is something... That link-up between the back line, the full-backs, the forwards. He does a bit of everything, this guy. He's so comfortable in the ball. He was terrific. But Manchester United, there's no getting away from... They were appalling. Absolutely appalling. And when he never had a left-back... And I know he's got some injuries. When he didn't have a left-back, he was playing a midfielder at left-back. And we were all saying, well, you need to play Lindelof at left-back, or somebody. At least it can do a bit of defending. Now that he has a left-back whether you like him or not, and reggae on, he's still playing Lindelof at left-back. I, I, I mean, it just and he's getting caught at the back post a couple of times, particularly in the first half. I think, I think more worrying for me would be the fact that when the second goal went in, the game was over, and Manchester United are at home. Mm. Where, where was the response from going 2-0 down, not even... What was it? It wasn't even the 50th minute. Is that on the managers? The game was over. Or is, is that on the manager or is that on the players? Well, it's, it's the manager's job to get the players into a mindset 
regardless of what happens on the field, that at the very least, mm. you give it every single thing you've got and you stand up to whatever's getting thrown at you. To me, it looked as though they down tools because nobody got kicked. Nobody made any challenges. Uh, Anthony, Anthony. I'll just tell a yeah. lie. Yes, Anthony yes, kicked yeah. Grealish. Yeah. Even, even, even Anthony almost missed as well. Get on the kick. kick yeah. So, you know, where's that desire? Where's that fight? To play in a, in a derby and you go 2-0 down and it's down in tools. Mm. No, that can't be right. How many should Haaland have had, really? I mean, yeah. four? Four. What specifically does Ten Hag get wrong in the approach today? Because we were talking about Wait, it. I was listening. Did he get right? Like, I, I, I was listening to... <laughs> what has he got right this year? Well, can, I was, no, no, listen, right? we've talked about this in the show, and, I was, and, and, and I, I, I shout out. Yeah. I was listening to Lee Dixon on um, NBC, mm-hmm. and he echoed that what we've been saying is that there is no discernible pattern of play. As Stevie said, any Tom, Dick or Harry can go in and stick 10 behind the ball and, have a, and put a front, front man up. That's not exactly... Uh, Fantastic tactics. You know was it, was they, it the wrong approach, though, against a team that's obviously much better than you? Well, what was his approach? I mean, I, I just don't... I just don't... Look, he's... he's well, he can go toe-to-toe, right? So right, that's what I'm go, saying. Right, you can go toe-to-toe, right? But well, maybe not. But when you turn around and say that you're playing Johnny Evans instead of Varane for tactical reasons, <laughs> and then you stick ten men behind the ball and just try and put up a wall... What, don't, it's not, well, it's one not some new tactic that you're trying to do because, because Johnny Evans has something that Varane doesn't. I mean, that's, that, that's nonsense. But hold on. We go back to this. What are they trying to do, though, mm-hmm. in terms of the patterns they play? And you might say, well, it's Man City, one of the best team in Europe. Yeah, yeah, I'll get that. But what about the patterns they play against Burnley when they took a Fernandez wonder goal to bail them out? What about the patterns they play against Sheffield United for an hour? Sheffield United were one point. They lost 8-0 to Newcastle, lost five again yesterday. We're, get, we're out playing Man United. What about Wolves at home? The list goes on of teams that are in the bottom half of the league that they should more than easily go toe-to-toe with that they've, that they've not been able to. This is a manager who now is talking in riddles. He's been from the start of the season since the, since the Anana foul on, on Cunha, I think it was, or whoever it was, mm-hmm. uh, that should have been a penalty. He didn't recognise that. He didn't want to see it. He was talking in riddles. He's continued to do it for the bulk of the season. Uh, he's, he's, and look, please, let's not have this decision from VAR as an excuse for this mm. result, because it wasn't. It was never going to be a contest. It was only a matter of time before City got their goal, whether it would be from a VAR decision or open play, and it was only a matter of time before Man City uh, won this game. Look, he goes to his bench. We talk about Anthony. Anthony and Mar- he brings on Anthony and, Mar- Anthony and Martial, two wasters, mm. two wasters. Anthony comes on, first thing he does, he kicks, blatantly kicks Docker. Mm-hmm. Then he's pouting around the field as if he's the big cheese. <laughs> this is a guy, right, that'll cost almost 100 million, mm. but yet the manager sees fit to bring a youngster in Garnacho, rightly so, on ahead of him. He should be embarrassed. Mm. He should be utterly embarrassed. So, you know, we could sit here and, and wipe the floor with United all day, but we've been doing it since the start of the season and Man United fans, oh, you got a bit upset no, they're absolutely dire mm. and that was shown today and it's not a surprise, but to see it firsthand mm. pan out the way it did just tells you how bad a situation it is at that football club. I asked off when you said, what did he get wrong 
when I right. said, what did he get right? <laughs> yeah. I can't think of one thing they got right. Mm. Not one. Even, even took Hoyland off. The guy, I've just been saying that, 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 that to me, there were too many players that had lost the desire at 2-0. If there was one guy on the field who kept going, it was Hoyland. And he took him off. Mm. And the crowd let him know as well. So, yeah, he didn't get in. And By right. the way, it was a penalty. You mention it. The uh, Hoyland penalty on now, Rodri. Shall we discuss it? Yep. Well, I mean, well it's a penalty. It's a penalty. <laughs> okay. It's a penalty kick, right? But, but I do have a problem, and, and, I, and I don't want to hear the argument, or somebody might put it up, but I really don't. I'm, I really am not interested in, well, you see this all the time. I've long been an advocate, particularly in the days of VAR. If we see this, we give the penalty, we have a better chance of stamping it out of the game over the longer run than not. Mm. Natum, as a defender, how you feel about a call like this? Take your city hat. hat I think off. it's the. <laughs> no, don't worry about the city hat. I think it's just the right call, and I think it's an easy call mm. because I think the guys might agree with me here. When it comes down to marking from set pieces, there are times when you are man to man or touch tight, and in which case the person you're with doesn't have momentum. And yes, it could look like you've got your arms on them, but you could argue that you're jostling. But with this one with Hoyland, Rodri has momentum, and Hoyland is reacted by sticking his arm out because he knows Rodri has that. And when you are sort of scrambling in terms of a defensive standpoint, you make mistakes like that. Because if this exact scenario panned out in the middle of the field, people look and say, well, yeah, it's obviously a foul because Roger is running this way and you grabbed him and stopped him from doing so. But when people say, oh, there's so many of these happen in the box, it's not really as many as you think that are like this. If, there are, if there's a case where there are arms on people and people are holding someone in place, I think those decisions are the ones which people can get upset about because say, well, it's inconsistent, it's this, it's that. But that's with no momentum. But Rodri was going full tilt. And Rodri probably saw his eyes light up because he thought he was about to score a goal because the ball ends up landing in an area which he was about to be uh, to be in. And I think once he had that march and he had the top couple of yards on it, I think it says more about Hoyland's defending mm. than does about the referee's decision because he didn't need to do that if he was in a better position. Yep. So we, we, uh, what we need to see going forward here is consistency within these calls. Well, that'll be the complaint from Manchester United fans because you don't see that call. Well, that's, that's not... An, you see that on that should, every that, set. That should not be an argument to not give it because uh, to, to echo, echo Nedham here and what I was saying... The one way to stamp this out is, is to continue to give these against the defenders and they'll stop. Now, the big argument will come with consistency. We saw the, in the big game yesterday in Spain, mm -hmm. the Clásico, the foul from Chiuameni on Arujo mm -hmm. in the box. Now, this I know it's a different country, different league. This was not given, and this was arguably worse. Watch it in their post. He's basically, Chiuameni got his arms around... Ronald Arujo's neck, he pulls him back, the ball is in the vicinity, so it meets all the criteria, but yet it's not given. I mean, but that's that's a defender that's playing blatant. the ball. This is, what we're talking about in the Manchester United game is, is different. That's something we... What do you mean we, playing the ball? You, you uh, yeah. the, the ball is coming in, he's playing the ball. Rodri's not he's even making a play ball. on the ball. In uh, Chouameni. Chouameni never played the ball. Oh, hold on. Well, he's hold right, on. the ball hold is on. Hold on a second. Never Wait, hold on a second. It doesn't matter whether the guy's playing the ball or not. If the ball's, the ball's over there and you and I are standing in the box right, right. and I just turn around and kick you, it's apparently a kick. The point I'm making is what we've seen on Rodri from Hoyland, we see on almost every play. This, right. I think, in any league is going Needham's, to be wrong, except Needham's, for Needham's, No. no. But, but, I absolutely, 100% but, 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 like... But what's hey. it, what you're talking hold about? Rudiger plays the ball. It's Rudiger that heads the ball away. Like, let's go back to Needham's The ball point. is in the vicinity. Right. Look, Chouameni's play... All right, you're right. Hey. Playing listen, the ball oh, was the wrong oh, way to say it, but at least the ball oh, is coming oh, in. Listen. The ball hasn't even on, come in hold yet. On, hold on. Hold on. Stop. Let's go back to Needham's point. Mm -hmm. 
blatant. He's talking about the blatant ones. That's blatant. Mm -hmm. The ones he's talking about before, where, where, where both players are holding, there's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. We don't, nobody wants to see every single one of them given. But when it's blatant, like it was on Rodri and like it was on Araujo, that's when they should be given. There shouldn't be any... We shouldn't be having an argument of who's, who's heading the ball or who's going for it. It's a blatant foul. And when it's blatant, there is no excuse for not giving it. And there's no excuse that Araujo didn't get a penalty out of that now, either. Now, that's a different league, clearly, obviously, stating the obvious. And they officiate, rightly or wrongly, slightly differently, right? But the Premier League now, Michael Oliver was the VAR, Paul Tierney was the referee. Right? Two very experienced officials. We're quite a way into the season, but they've set a standard now on a, in a big game. Big game worldwide today. Global. Mm -hmm. the Manchester Derby. Mm -hmm. There's a standard been set for the Premier League and what is going to be given and what should not. And that has to be adhered to going forward. And if it is, I don't think Man United fans, Man City fans or anybody can have any complaints. But they have, now, they have to now referee the game in that manner, with these kind of decisions, with pulling back in the box, because they have the technology to do it. There is no excuse. The bar has been set. And let's see defenders that do that, week in, week out, be punished. Mm. And then we'll start to see some proper defending and players will know they're not going to get away with it. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see kind of where it goes from here. You're right to mention it's on a global stage, so they really do set a precedent. Uh, Nadam, last word on this to you. Yeah, well, I think the penalty is, is a clear penalty, and I think this is an indictment on where United are so far this season. Obviously, you could say they've got some players out, essentially a back four, but realistically, some people arrived at that stadium with hope, but very quickly, you know, it wasn't just the scoreline that depressed them, it was the manner of the performance. You look at United today, they tried to play out from the back, and it felt like City were more dangerous when United had the ball, whereas for City, when they had the ball, most of the decisions were great. And in the end, it felt like a stroll in the park at Old Trafford, which is something that most of us never thought we'd see in our lifetime. Natum, i got to give you a moment to talk about Manchester City here. They really made it look easy. Yeah, they did. They really, really did. I think the key guy, as you can see, is Rodri in terms of dictating that tempo. But then when you see Bernardo Silva in there as well, and a fully fit John Stone stepping into midfield, it was so, so good. I thought Grealish played well. I thought Foden played well. I think lots of them did. There were a few nerves early doors maybe with Aguardio, but realistically, the way they played, it, it was so, so good. That was them at their free-flowing best, and it asked so many questions of United. And they didn't really have the answers. And as I say, fair play to them. They went through a bit of a sticky spell for a couple of weeks back there. But if they play like this, they're definitely, without a doubt, got more to come. And then just if they can stay afloat until maybe December time, then in comes one Kevin De Bruyne, who, as we've seen, you know, is one of the best players in the world still. And they seem to be doing fine without him for now. Erling Holland, then two goals and an assist as Manchester City win at Old Trafford by a final score of 3-0. Liverpool comfortable winners over Nottingham Forest at Anfield on Sunday. Diogo Jota, Darwin Nunes and Mo Salah, the front three, all getting on the score sheet. In the 3-0 victory, so three points there for Jurgen Klopp's team. Three points that are very valuable for them. It's got him now into the top four on 23 points from 10 games, just three points back of your league leaders, Tottenham Hotspur. Stevie, a pretty good week on the field for Liverpool. Three games, 10 goals uh, and three wins in eight days. And you know what, when we're talking about people like Ateta complaining about rest and games and this and that, mm. that's, the, that's the type of week you need. No stress, nice and comfortable, you can play the reses 
and one of the games, on you go. Get your, take, take your points and, and march on. Mm. Easy and peasy. An, and there's enough teams in the Premier League, right, particularly when you're playing at home, that are bad enough that you can do that. You know, when all these managers talk about, oh, there's no easy games, but there is. There is quite a few in the Premier League if you look at some of the sides. So, I mean, that, that was so easy for Liverpool uh, today. But they're, you know, the good thing for them is, you know, Nunes is getting, getting his goals and Steve and I were talking about, all right, it was Nottingham Forest, but yeah. Sabozlai's been mm-hmm. just a, he's just a, a Rolls Royce in there. So, so, and McAllister, the more time, more games he gets and the more he gets up to speed, it's looking, you know, it's, it's looking like they could make a challenge. So I was like with a couple of assists, I believe his first for the club. He got the man of the match, Stevie, you agree with that? Yeah, I, I think I said it previously. He was, not just in this game, but since the start of the season, he has been silky smooth. Always seems to make the right decision. When he plays a pass, it's to the right, it's to the right spot with the right pace. I mean, he's even scoring goals from 30 yards. So, so far, this guy, no question, has been absolutely world-class. You touched on depth. They got four games in the next 12 days, so another brutal stretch coming up. You at all worried with this team? No, not right now. Yeah. No, no when, you, when, you see, when you see when he makes a lot of changes midweek in the Champions League that they can still perform and still, still create and score goals, then, as I said, with all these managers complaining about Europa games, League. Does no matter, but they make it easy. The, the important He's ignoring thing, the fact that they're in the Champions League <laughs> this year. That's what it is. The important thing is, is they're doing it with ease and without any stress, and they're making it look like training, training exercises. They probably put more work in training than they have done in these last couple of games. So, I, ideal. Just keep it rolling along. Uh, Nadim, quick question for you: Who do you see as the biggest threat to Manchester City from a, a title perspective? Is it Liverpool? Is it Arsenal? Is it Spurs? Um, do you know what? I think I'd say Liverpool, but it's not to say that Arsenal and Spurs aren't in the mix. But for me, through this season, obviously Liverpool, they started off quite well. Then there was that half against Newcastle where we're wondering what's going on. But I think their reaction against Newcastle, and then as well, even in the loss to Spurs, when they went down to 10 players, they still had an energy like I fully believe they were going to win that game. And with the nine, they were holding out until the last second. And that's the Spurs side that were top of the league and you know very much buoyant and playing at home. So I think Liverpool are the real deal. Salah is well and truly alive. And some of the signings they've had so far are looking like they're very, very good as well. So I believe it will be Liverpool. But it's nice to see that there's a bit of a challenge at this point of the season. Liverpool then now 3 nothing winners over Nottingham Forest. Aston Villa winners as well. 3-1 uh, at Villa Park against Luton Town. Unai Emery's got his boys uh, fifth in the table. And actually, this is what the table would look like uh, if we just took into account games since Unai Emery took over at Aston Villa, they'd be a top four team. It really is, Craig, remarkable. It's remarkable. What are you laughing at, Stevie? I mean, what's really What's remarkable? Remarkable? Well, you can, you can get your stats and you can twist them left, I mean, right, this center, is impressive. You can't down, take the case around the corner. Wow. And oh, by the way, they could be top of the league. If they've if if only played three games in the last <laughs> I tell you what, 10 days, they'd be top of the league. So you're so, not impressed with what's happening in no. Aston Villa? Well, yeah, of course I am, but... It's, it's a little early to start talking about... Well, but it's not, just, it's not just this season. It's, it's basically what he's done since he got there. There's, there's a measure of consistency there. Agreed. Mm-hmm. But, but as I said, if you want to get your stats and twist them to suit what you want okay. to, to, to see what's going to happen, mm-hmm. then uh, 
get after it. Seb with his noted uh, pro Aston Villa ways. No, no, they've done. A, no, yeah. no. Look, look, look. I'm the same. When I see graph, when I see that, sometimes I go, well, that's not the way it is. <laughs> right. It's a bit like saying, here's the league table over a calendar year. Well, it's not played over a calendar year. It's pl played between August and May. However, the difference between having we say a proper coach, you know, a really experienced guy that knows the business inside out, compared to a relative novice as he was in Steven Gerrard, although he had some managerial experience, it's chalk and cheese, isn't it? It's just chalk and cheese and, you know, Villa are a very, very good side, uh, made some astute signings, lost Tyrone Mings at the, at the start of the season, but had signed Pau Torres in the summer, an experienced international player. And Ollie Watkins up front has been a real threat. And Fulham, uh, sorry, Luton, sorry, have been, it's been a struggle. But, but yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that Villa are particularly happy that they've got hold of Unai Emery. There's, there's, mm -hmm. there's no doubt about that. And can I remind you, when Steven Gerrard took over, they went on a great run as well. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm saying calm down. 35 game run is the sample size that we were looking at. So different for Unai Emery, oh, right? Okay. Uh, Nadam, do you want to say something nice about Aston Villa <laughs> since nobody here does? And yeah, this, you know, season, why not? Why not? Yeah, yeah. when Unai Emery took over, I think Villa were in 17th. So I think the fact that he's coached those players and they've found more form, got a style of play, like I'm hearing from some Villa fans that this is the best version of Villa they've seen in, in the Premier League era, which says a lot considering in the, fast, in the past they have finished 5th, 6th, 7th and so on. But they're doing really well. Obviously against Luton at home, it's one thing or the other, but a bigger stat for you, they've won 12 games in a row at home. And I think that says a lot about them because that shows they're definitely heading in the right direction. All right. Uh, Aston Villa under Unai Emery. 3-1 win against Luton Town that has them right now fifth place in the Premier League. Oh, one point back of Liverpool in fourth. Always great to have uh, Nada Manua with us here on ESPN FC. Good time to remind you that the Carabao Cup round of 16 will be available for you on ESPN Plus this week. Action starts uh, on Tuesday and continues into Wednesday again. Uh, make sure to join us Wednesday at 3.15 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll have a pregame there ahead of West Ham Arsenal, which is a 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time kick on Wednesday in the Carabao Cup. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
Atletico Madrid picked up their sixth straight win in league play with a 2-1 home victory over Alaves. Rodrigo Raquelme with a goal in the 26th minute, followed up by Alvaro Morata just before the stroke of halftime. Guevara for Alaves getting a goal in stoppage time to cut the lead in half. That's now nine unbeaten across all competitions for Atleti, who leapfrog Barcelona into third place in La Liga, just three points back of your co-leaders, Real Madrid and Girona. I, I, just before we go anywhere, I, I, I always think, and we, we were just talking about this, uh, Stevie and I, the football aside, the victory aside, they got that, it was expected. Uh, they switched off a bit in the second half. But when I see Simeone running down the tunnel in the final whistle at every game, I just find it extremely disrespectful to the other coaches. Mm. Extremely. Embarrassingly so. And I know it's something that, that he does, but he can't wait. I mean, at least show some dignity towards your other manager, coach, whether you've won, lost or draw. Just, he did it in midweek in the Champions League mm -hmm. at Celtic with Brendan Rodgers. We saw him sprinting down the tunnel there. It's just a, it's a very small thing, but I think if he was in the other bench coaching mm -hmm. and he's coached, and the managers was there, I'd probably about this time be chapping on his door. Really? It would bother so, you that much? Well, this is completely disrespectful. Mm. Should just show a little bit of respect, that's all. Doesn't take much, does it? Mm. All right, uh, that, kind we'll of went off, that kind of went off tangent a little bit. Yeah, it did. <laughs> it did. That yeah. video set you off. That's good. Uh, Alex Kirkland, as I mentioned, uh, with us. You can find his work over at ESPN.com. You were smiling while the boys were lamenting uh, Simeone's exit strategy. What do you think? Just to say that here in Spain, it's, it's not a big deal, and people don't make a big deal of it here. Now, as, as the guy said, it's what he tends to do. He almost always does this, head straight down the tunnel. The only thing is, occasionally... He does shake the other, the other coach's hand at full time. And I'm not exactly sure what the criteria is, whether he does or whether he, he doesn't. Look, he's, quite a, he's a, a, quite a superstitious guy. He's a guy of his sort of habits and his traditions. And this is what he, this is what he does. And we should say, just because he doesn't shake hands with the opposition manager there, sort of publicly, where we can see it on the touchline, doesn't mean he doesn't do it later on behind closed doors. Doesn't mean he doesn't speak to them later on as well. Just that right then, he says in that moment, what he wants to do is head down the tunnel and head straight to the head straight to the dressing room. Two on the final score here, but at the end of the day, pretty comfortable for Atleti, no credit. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the boys were saying in the commentary, it, it kind of got too easy in the end, and, and you know, it was so comfortable. We don't see Old Black making that many mistakes. I mean, he basically didn't have much to do today. Uh, normally, one of the best around. Maybe hasn't been in his best form the last couple of years, but still, yeah, comfortable. It should have been even more so with Morata, that Morata header in the first half. <laughs> the bonkers decision from, from the referee on that, on that Urenti run, I, I don't know how they, got, how they would explain that. Maybe we just don't know the laws, but yeah, they continue their good run. They've got one game in hand now. They could go top of the league, as you saw in the graphics. So all things are going pretty swimmingly for Simeone's side at the moment. Absolutely. Six wins in a row in league play right now. And as you mentioned, just uh, three points back of Real Madrid and Girona atop the Spanish top flight. Here's a look at the upcoming La Liga schedule. Again, all these games available for you right here on ESPN+. Plus. Match Day 12 starts next Friday with Atletico Madrid against Las Palmas. Barcelona in action on Saturday against Real Sociedad. Real Madrid in action on Sunday. A Madrid derby there against Rayo Vallecano. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match 
with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply, need to hire, you need Indeed. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Here's a look at the top of the Bundesliga Bayer Leverkusen still in first place. After their 2-1 win over Freiburg. Meanwhile, Dortmund came back from behind twice, uh, but in the end couldn't collect all three points as they settle for a 3-3 draw against Eintracht Frankfurt. Let's welcome in our good friend and colleague, Gab Marcotti. Uh, Gab, where do you want to start on the Bundesliga? You want to start with Dortmund or with Leverkusen? I think we need to start with Bayer Leverkusen because they're top of the table. Um, they're slowing down a little bit in the sense that they're not scoring three or four goals a game. And, you know, if you saw this match, we saw this last week uh, as well. Um, they're showing that they can win tight games as well. Games that are a little bit more labored, a little bit more uh, physical, a little bit more Christian strike uh, as the Freiburg game was. And, um, and maybe even a little bit of a little bit of good fortune um, with the with with Hoffman's second goal. But. I think there also this also shows that there's a toughness that even when things don't go exact exactly the way Chabi Alonso plans them out, they still take home the three points. And you know, in terms of chances created, they were the better team again. All right, so there we have it. Uh, Bayer Leverkusen with the uh, big win, one that has them top of the table. As far as Borussia Dortmund are concerned, next up, Der Klassiker. They got to take on Bayern Munich next Saturday. Coverage begins at 12:30 p.m. Eastern time, ahead of a 1:30 p.m kickoff right here on ESPN+. Plus. Big game in Ligue 1 as uh, PSG were able to beat Brest by final score of 3-2. to Kylian Mbappe with a brace in that one. Warren Zaire Emery also getting on the score sheet as PSG now one point back of Nice who are atop the French table. Gab Marcotti still with us. PSG getting the job done, Gab. Just about though. Yeah, I think just about is right. We saw this late in the season from from uh, from Paris Saint Germain last year. You know, when when they'd go out on a league and then they would kind of take their foot off the gas, maybe get distracted a little bit, lapses in concentration. I think you saw that there um, on those two headers with with Brest getting back into the game. And and by the way, Brest went at the Brest took twenty one shots on goal uh, in this game. Um, PSG edged the expected goals uh, since I know that's what some people care about. But, you know, without that penalty, it's a totally different story. And so I still think there's there's some things for Luis Enrique to work on in terms of getting a 90-minute a performance. And, you know, just reminding his players, guys, I know it's only breast and it's really more of a body part than, than a football club. But 
It's not like we have a 10-point lead at the top of the table. In fact, we're in third place. Mm. Uh, aside from the jokes there, uh, <laughs> um, obviously everybody's going to focus on Mbappe and the brace. What about Warren Zaire Emery? How special is this player we're seeing? Well, they should be focusing on Warren Zaire Emery, I think, in this game because we're talking about a deflected goal and a missed penalty um, from, uh, uh, from Mbappe. Uh, he's tremendous. I think he doesn't even actually turn 18 uh, until, uh, until a couple weeks from now. Um, he's got size. He's got physicality. He's got a lot of technique. But what strikes you most is his decision-making. He's so mature out there on the pitch. He does not look like a kid who's, who's 17. And, um, you know, Jules goes on raving about him. He's been raving about him thing since this kid was 15 years old. Um, and I'll tell you what, in terms of dependability, he's living up to the hype in that, that very young uh, but quite accomplished Paris Saint-Germain midfield with him, Ugarte, and uh, Vitinha. So PSG wins 3-2, but guys, there were some scary images elsewhere in Ligue 1 before the match between Lyon and Marseille. The game actually ended up being postponed. This is Lyon's bus being attacked uh, as it arrived at Stade Velodrome. This again uh, before the match. Afterwards, we found out manager Fabio Grosso was injured in the attack. He actually suffered a deep cut above his left eye, one that required stitches. Apparently, he wasn't the only member of the Lyon technical staff that was injured. So was assistant coach Rafael Luongo. Again, uh, the match postponed between Lyon and Marseille after Lyon's bus was attacked. In never never to ceases to amaze that how many morons actually mm. follow this sport. Mm. I mean, you look at the pictures there. I mean, we've all had buses leaving and some fans get a little bit too close and, and whatnot, but that's beyond the pale, isn't yeah. it? I mean, good grief. We get it, there's rivalry, but rivalry is one thing. That's just criminality. I mean, that's, it's, it, it actually beg, it just beggars belief, that yeah. the, the behaviour of some of these people. It really does. Scary stuff there in the French top flight. What about the Italian top flight? Big games today, uh, Inter. 1-0 winners over Roma in the Jose Mourinho slash Romelo Lukaku derby. And then uh, Napoli came from behind big time against AC Milan. Milan up 2-0 in that game before blowing the lead. Gab, uh, let's start with Inter, I guess, here. Uh, just uh, another win as they keep things rolling. Yeah, it took a while to break Roma down. Obviously, no Jose Mourinho. Uh, although, because uh, he was suspended for his uh, return to, to, to Inter, I think fourth or fifth time he's been suspended since uh, uh, being back in, in Italy. It took Inter a while, as I said, to break down uh, Roma. Jose Mourinho speaking after the game, not happy with the uh, officiating. But I think in the end, if you look at uh, and the numbers here, I think clearly bear it out. Uh, Inter created plenty. And then eventually Marcus Duran um, you know, getting, it, getting it done for Inter with about... 10 minutes to go. Um, and as you can imagine, Romelu Lukaku kept quiet and the Inter fans, every time he touched the ball, let him have it. Something like uh, uh, 30,000 whistles distributed among the Inter supporters and they basically blew them every time he came near the ball. Inter Milan's last defeat uh, over a month ago. What about AC Milan? Gab, what happened? How did they blow that lead? Well, first of all, this is the game of the weekend, Sebi. Um, tremendous entertainment, tremendous end-to-end. Meet on taking the lead. It was it was two headers from uh, 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 Olivier Giroud. But 
Uh, more importantly than that, they, they went out there, they looked solidly in control. And, you know, you wondered about Napoli adrift, no Victor Osime, no Zambo Anguisa. Um, but then something happened at halftime and Napoli came out with tremendous uh, intensity. Uh, Politano scoring a great, great goal to pull one back. Then Jack Raspadori with the kind of free kick, the man for whom they named the stadium Diego Armando Maradona would have been proud of uh, to make it 2-2. Milan uh, and Napoli both, I think, had chances uh, laid on for Atskelia, uh, especially uh, in the end, 2-2 draw, which I think will leave both teams dissatisfied. But, you know, situations like this, it's always it's always a team that lets a two-goal lead slip um, that's going to be kicking themselves more. As always, great stuff, Gab. For more from Gab, check out the latest edition of the Gab and Jules podcast. The boys record on Mondays and Thursdays. Always a good listen. You can find it wherever you download your podcasts or over on the website, ESPN.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. MLS Cup playoffs going on this weekend. Actually, uh, kicked off last midweek with a wild card round. Now we're in round one, which is best of three. Right? For international soccer fans, they're saying what? For American sports fans, uh, you know a little something about this. But each round one matchup, and there you see four in the Western Conference, three in the Eastern Conference, will be a best of three series. Now, this is something that was around Major League Soccer back in the day when Stevie was managing. In fact, mm-hmm. one of the greatest playoff series of all time is a best of three set between your New England Revolution and my DC United. Uh, but, Natum, you're the person that's most recently linked to Major League Soccer. A lot of fans here are complaining about this format. What do you think of the best of three? Yeah. (sighs) To be honest, I think it's interesting you say that Stevie's been through that before because I personally don't remember that. But for now, to have as a selling point feels very, very odd. But then in the same breath, maybe it'll work out well. Maybe there'll be a few games that go to that third match and it's an incredible game where both teams are going for it. And to be honest, as it stands, as we speak right now, I think my Real Salt Lake team are losing 1-0 to Houston. So I'm glad that there are more games to come. But it doesn't doesn't necessarily sit right with me. I think it's basically selling it out to that American audience, which is fair enough. Mm. But if we want MLS to grow, then I think it probably makes more sense to show people something that they're used to. Because, you know, when you think playoffs or whatever, you think it's one game and done in football. But if it's the same as the other American sports, then, you know, I think that's the way it will be kept in the minds of many people. See... Back in the day, when I was when I was managing the Revs, the reason it was three games was to get more games. 
because there was only 10 teams in the league. Right. So it was to get more games. So to get more home games. As much as we didn't like it, there was a good reason for it. Now, <laughs> the tra- <laughs> now there's too many games, mm-hmm. but yet they're, still, they're bringing it back. There's a reason they got rid of it in the first time. Because it, it, nobody likes it. Yeah. So I mean, it's unfortunate they brought it back, to be honest. Your New England Revolution in their first game were down 3 nothing basically after a half hour, and then the rest of the game is meaningless. Whereas if you got a two-leg, at least every yeah. minute counts, every there's goal counts. There's something on it, yeah, yeah, exactly. It felt like that game for a playoff game was basically dead after the half hour, and that's what you want to avoid. Yeah, and there's no incentive. Yeah. You may as well take players off, rest them for the next game, because the, the game's done at 3-0. So, yeah, just another reason to get rid of it. Craig, you love the best of three? <laughs> I don't really have much of an opinion. Well, it means more Major League Soccer, which we know means you are pro best of three uh, here in round one uh, of the playoffs for MLS. And we'll be talking about that as well as the U.S. Women's National Team. They're in action right now against Colombia on the next edition of Football Americas. We will be joined by two-time World Cup champion Ali Krieger. That is tomorrow, Monday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 5.30 Pacific, live right here on ESPN+. Plus. All right, that'll do it for this edition of ESPN FC. Thanks to all those uh, involved. The next edition of Extra Time, Nada Manua will be joining Any us. Any questions about well. the Mexican League? Um, no, just I never get that. I never understand that. Why no, that? no, never. Been on this show ten years plus, never understood it. When my teams do well, they make the show. That's how it works. <laughs> Nobody believes that. Extra time starts right now on ESPN Plus. We can just put the questions on the screen. I never understand this. Every time, oh, 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 we haven't got the questions at the end of the printer. Guess what we've got? What do we got? Guess what we've got? Over here, behind this big camera, we've got a monitor. We do. It's a very large monitor. Don't give away our secrets. And we have monitors underneath all the cameras. We do. And little questions can pop up that even you can read. Even I can read. Uh, Steve Nichol, Craig Burley, Nada Manua uh, alongside me for this edition of Extra Time. As the questions make their way from the printer. Oh, level, level. Just wait till it comes on the screen. (laughs) Keep going. Come on, keep keep filling. Oh, the graphics are down. Oh, this is Oh, Is there anything going right? Good grief. Let's just go home now. Organize. Why don't we just go? Organize chaos. You've got a flight to get. I don't have a flight. Nathan wants to go to bed. I've had enough of this Mexican league you rammed down my throat at the end of the show. What, you, don't, you don't complain about MLS, but you complain about Liga MX? I don't complain about MLS. I, didn't, I said nothing. So we'll <laughs> let you jibber-jabber on about a three-playoff graphics are working. All right. Uh, yes, I'm told the uh, graphics are up and running now. Graphics. Speaking well, of... We, we are the champions. The Speaking of... The anger of Craig Burley. The righteous <laughs> anger of Craig Burley supplies our first question. For the boys, do United and or Chelsea have any realistic chance of finishing top four this year? Quite the weekend to ask that on. What do you think? No. Your face just Not said a it chance. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> uh, no chance. Who has a better chance? Or I guess if they're both zero, then... <laughs> yeah, that's a tough question. That's a better question. Yeah. Who, who, who's got probably better? At the start of the season, United. Correct. Look, at the start of the season, I don't think United. after after the way that they turned that ship around last year. Even though their transfer policy in the summer was a little kind of head scratching, you know the way they went, how they tried to spend the money, and blah blah blah. But I, I once again, I didn't think it would unravel 
as quickly as it has. Mm. Chelsea, look. Yeah, we knew. They, we figured they would still struggle. Right? Yes. Yeah. Nadem, any chance United or Chelsea make the top four this year? No, I don't think so. But if the coefficients work out in England's favour, then maybe it'll be fifth. And then you ask yourself the question, are you 100% sure that Aston Villa will finish above United and, you know, more so Chelsea? And at this point, I'm, I'm not so sure. I think it's something to keep an eye on, but definitely not the top four for me. All right, continuing down this United road, for all, do Manchester United have a manager problem, dressing room problem, or an ownership problem? And before anybody says all three, just pick one. What's the biggest problem? Well... Right, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go for the manager, because regardless of how good your players are, regardless of how or form they may be, you at least have to set them up in a way where they're actually trying to do something. And if they can't, if they don't manage to do it, then that's that. That's a different ball game. But when you can't see what they're trying to do, that that's on the manager. That is absolutely on the manager. Ten Hag, the biggest problem there? So we can't go all three, right? So no, I'll you go got to pick one. All right, pick all right. One. I'll go slightly different. I'll go for the players. And the reason I'll do that is because... And I suppose it lines into the other. Is like, I, I would imagine uh, Ten Hag wanted Anthony and others, but then he's, he, he didn't sign Jadon Sancho. He was left with Anthony Martial and Harry Maguire and, and all these other players. Ronaldo. Uh, Ronaldo problem, but the, the, the reason I would say players is because at the moment, and I agree with the manager side as well, is that a bunch of decent managers have been through and had to deal with a lot of the same players, not them all, but a lot of them, and had similar problems. So there's another angle. Nadam, we got one vote for manager, we got one vote for the players. No votes for ownership. Uh, who are you going with here? What's the biggest problem at United? Yeah, to be honest, I think the ownership is a problem, but. I think for me, when you look at that team, there are teams within the Premier League who have got less talent that have been able to maximise their potential and achieve whatever they can achieve. But even with United now, with players being out and so on, like, is that the best version that you could give with those players? The answer is probably not. And I don't necessarily think it's the players. And unfortunately, right now, I think it might just be the coaching, whether the players don't believe in what he's saying or whether he's not coached into them the right sort of way. You know, there's a disconnect, because if that's what Ten Hag wants his team to look like, then I'd be very, very surprised, to be honest. It was an interesting... Uh, I think you, there's no wrong answer, I think, to any of those. But, no. but, the, the, no. but our I'm going to say ex-colleague, John Champion, mm -hmm. sometimes colleague, because he still hovers around for mm -hmm. some Carabao Cup. And, uh, he, he was in commentary today, and he said, since Sir Alex Ferguson vacated the seat, the spending between the two clubs has been very similar. Right, now we can go on about how much money the Glazers are taking out of the club and the debt, the repairs that need to be done, refurbishment to, to, to Old Trafford, or indeed the training ground. But that really isn't, you know, when your training ground isn't as good as Liverpool's or Arsenal's or Man City's, it doesn't mean you have to be as bad as that on the field. That's just an excuse. That's just an excuse. So it also tells you that across the board, the recruitment, the recruitment has been awful has been absolutely awful. Where City have recruited, for the most part, brilliantly, and not always big money, by the way. Not always big money. There's been a lot of players, if you look at somebody like Akanji, 20 million, 15, 20 million. 
come in from, from Dortmund where he was making, you know, he's a good player but made, made quite a few mistakes, comes in, standards are higher. So it hasn't always been City outspending everybody. Their recruitment has been excellent. United's recruitment, terrible. That question coming to us from Nadam's interior decorator, who clearly took the day off. Nadam, what's with that cord hanging behind you? Yeah, exactly. Can we get that cleaned up well, a little bit? Where are you today? This, I'm in Oslo. I'm in Oslo. You look as if um, you're in the Manchester, yeah. a, a social club in Manchester. No, you've clearly not been to a social club for a while in Manchester. <laughs> this is quite modern for that. But yeah, I'm not at home. But yeah, I apologize. Nadam, you hanging out with Jan there or what? What's going on? No, well, no, but I had a great moment because I was at a watch party for the derby and Jan was the one giving the analysis. But again, as is the case when I'm at home, I had no idea what he was talking about. Were people throwing things at the screen and booing in the bar or what? No, 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 no. It was quite peaceful, but it's probably because City were doing well. Boys, if Graham Potter took over United after Eric Ten Hag's impending departure, what immediate changes would you expect to see implemented by him day one? Graham Potter's not taking over Man United, that's for sure. Yeah, it would, and it wouldn't be a good move for Man United, would it? Wouldn't be a good move for him either. Mm. Mm. I don't know. You laughed that one I, I, I think out of the room, Stevie. I think there's going to be a lot of questions coming up about this manager. A about lot. Ten Hag. A lot. Yeah. Because they're not going to place. You can't have the city excuse every week. Mm. Oh, it was Man City, you know, because we, everybody knows like, what follows the game that, that City are a cut above, right? Yeah. Could you imagine if Onana hadn't saved the penalty in Champions League midweek and they had dropped points there and then this? Oh, yeah. I, I can have watched, mm. well, I can imagine it having watched a lot of their games this season. Yeah, I, I can imagine it. You think this will go downhill to the point where, like, we're talking about a firing this season? Yeah. Really? Well, I, th I think I said it on the show. It's a worrying factor when it, it looks like a lot of players down in tools was maybe a little strong, but looked as though mentally they had given up and knew that they were done. After the second goal, you're saying? Yeah, after the second goal. But there was still, still 40 minutes to go. And, and it looked as though you had given up the ghost mentally. So that would that would be a worry and, and, and that's that's usually a sign that the manager's under pressure. When when players start looking as though they're giving up, mm. then the, the there usually doesn't seem to be any other choice. You, ever you can't get rid of all the players. Have, so. you, have you known a club a big club that's had su such a prolonged instability problem? You know, you look at it from a, both a management and a players and an ownership. You know, if players have fighting legal battles for for uh, stuff off the field, if a, the, the Ronaldo problem that seemed to be handled pretty well by the manager, and now the Sancho problem that's that's still it seems going on. You've got the takeover issue that has dragged and dragged and dragged, and the latest being it's only going to be a partial takeover and blah blah. blah. Everything just. Everything this club drags on, whether it be trying to sign a player, they've been well known in the past for going, taking transfers all the way down to the wire until they try and get the player, or they get the player or they don't get them. Uh, everything at this club just either seems to take an age, doesn't get done, or it's just unstable. Everything that it wasn't for years, uh, it is now. Craig for Ballon d'Or supplies our next question. Should Ancelotti rethink his formation? The introduction of Joselu seems to give Madrid more structure. 
frees up space for Vinnie and Bellingham and provides a consistent target for crosses. This would require dropping Rodrigo. A lot well, to unpack well, there. Well, well, let me just say, just recently Rodrigo was dropped mm -hmm. for Hosselu, right? And I believe he's got five goals, Hosselu. But, but there's no doubt that Rodrigo is a more talented player and, and I think Ancelotti hopes there's going to be the link-up between him and Vinicius Jr. with Bellingham coming through the middle, which, by the way, is working pretty well. Uh, but do you need that? Well, Hosselu came on yesterday and he was, you know, not... He was sort of involved in the goal, the, the, the second goal, by taking Christensen away. He's a different threat. But I just don't think Ancelotti sees him as somebody that's going to start uh, most of the games. But listen, he might do if Bellingham stops scoring, mm. which we've talked about a lot, because uh, that would be a heck of achievement if he keeps this run of games, going 13 goals in 13 games or something like that. And if Vinicius and Rodrigo don't start scoring and they've got three league goals between them, then it's going to be a problem. At the moment, they're getting away with it. What do you like, Steve? you like having a solid number nine there, a target? I do. I prefer a number nine. Um, I, think, I think it does depend on Bellingham. If he dries up, then it could be a real problem. Um, I guess if you're Ancelotti, you're asking yourself, well, if I go back, if I go back to three up front, is that going to stop Bellingham? But I don't think it will because the guy naturally gets in the box. So I would have no problem if he went to three. Now, he might not score as many goals as he has now, but he will always get in the box regardless. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of either way. Either way is good for me. Adam, any thoughts on what uh, Real Madrid should be doing up top? Absolutely not whatsoever. Over to you. <laughs> I think the only thing they need to do is wrap that English chap up in some cotton wool. I mean, yeah. it's, it's an, yeah. listen. I mean, Vinny's going to get hot at some point, right? Well, Vinicius Jr. needs to get his head in the game, right? He spent most of the game yesterday moaning, moaning and groaning. I mean, right. he wanted all he wanted was an extra whistle mm. so that he could blow for free kicks when he thought he was being fouled, right? Now, we know he's a great player. Is he missing Benzema with the link-up play? Yeah, he is, because they had a very good understanding. He played his best football when Benzema was there. But he really needs to get there. Now, I'll give you this, he's dealing with a lot. Yeah. In Spain. Yeah. The, the, the repeated incidents of racism. Repeated race, racism. He, show, he, he's dealing with a lot. I'm just talking about on the field. Even Ancelotti grabbing him off at the end. He's arguing with officials. He's doing whatever. He's just got to get his head back in the game. He spent a month out injured with a hamstring problem. Uh, if he gets his head in the game, he's got goals in him. It's as simple as that. Final question from Danny Mack. Stevie with the Marseille-Lyon game postponed because of the brutal attack on the Lyon bus resulting in injury to coach Fabio Grosso. Was it Harry going to away grounds during the darkest times of English hooliganism? No. You were never scared going anywhere? No. Yeah, elsewhere, maybe outside of England, did you ever fear for your safety? You? No. Never? No, no we'd, I mean, we'd people, we'd people banging the bus and yeah. try to bang the windows and stuff, but it never, never once was I ever scared. Really? Never. Nothing for you. But we used to. What we used to do is turn it on them. So Chelsea was a good example. So Chelsea, to get into the stadium, probably from about what half a mile in, was just pubs. Right. It's tight. 
It's tight. Yeah. It's and West pub. London. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's pub everywhere. And they're... Guess where fans so, go. <laughs> yeah. And they're so, they're so packed that people are standing outside mm. drinking. And we used to go by, and of course, when they all started shouting and screaming and, and all the rest of it and chucking beer at the window, I don't remember a glass ever being thrown, but beer and everything else. So we used to get on the same side as they were on and make faces. <laughs> and go, ah, and go like that, and like, look at it, stay like And of course, they all, sure. a lot of them were taken aback. Sure, but that sounds like fun and games, obviously. Totally different from what we saw. Never felt, honestly, I don't remember. I mean, the, the, pic the pictures, the pictures that, that, are, that are out there mm -hmm. for uh, in the public domain about this Leon Marseille game, the pictures are a disgrace. When you see the damage to the bus, yep. and more worryingly, the damage to was it two, two of the coaches? Yeah, the manager and one of his assistants. The manager had a uh, cut above his left eye. You can imagine all the shard from the glass. Yeah. Because the glass in the bus, a lot of the glass is just completely shattered. I'm surprised you say you were never scared. I always heard like Millwall was always a terrifying place to go. Never? Yeah, but that's, no. that's, that's, a, that's rare. When was the last yeah. time that happened? I don't, um, there was a, you know, I don't there's been some that. incidents around Champions League, you remember a few years the ago, Dortmund, Dortmund bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was... <laughs> Do you know, <laughs> at Millwall, you know who's under, under the biggest pressure? The their their players. own players. Yeah, yeah. Because if they were that bad, they'd be waiting in the car park. I think Don Hutchison has told us a story about that, right? Of his brief time there. That. Uh... Well, you try and start your car when there's people all around it bouncing it. <laughs> <laughs> You're in the car wondering what's going to happen next. All right. I think you'd be a different scenario if you hadn't been scared. If you were in the bus and it was getting to that extent today. Right. Right. Then that's 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 a whole different level. Right. But most of the time, it's it, it's kept to somewhere sensible. Yes. Non-violent, right? Maybe there's a... Well, similar to on the field. So if you're going to get the ball to get a throw in, they're all at the side giving it lads, right. shouting at you, screaming at you, calling your names, the whole thing. So it was the exact same when you sat in the bus. Right. Uh, clearly what happened between uh, Marseille and the game, just before the game between Marseille and Leon, uh, very different, violent and, and oh, no. quite worrisome. All right, that'll do it for this edition of ESPN. You got a flight tonight? I don't have a flight, oh, so um, maybe I'll get invited over to the, the Burley household or maybe the Nickel household you for a nice tell dinner. Us, will you you got to yeah. tell us. You... If you'd have told us you, you were just... coming, Aye. you could have organized something. Exactly. When are you coming again? I'll have to uh, have a long phone call from my hotel room. We'll, just, we'll, we'll hang out all night together. How about that? ESPN FC available seven days a week right here on ESPN+. Plus. Make sure to catch us tomorrow. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com FC. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 